RPS powered by Seth. Ah, welcome to the first weekly review of 2021. We eagerly put 2020 behind us and hope we never have to go through such prolonged hopelessness ever again in our lifetime. There's a lot to look forward to in this year. If anything saved us from despair, it was culture, and there's plenty coming through our screens and through our headsets to drown out the wailing from the demons. As it is the first episode after a Christmas break in which we didn't really leave the house much, I'm sure my fellow companions Ben Cardew III and Marvai Verdu here at the table have enjoyed many, many, many wonderful things to talk about today. Isn't that right? Well, I left the house twice. <laughs> that was good, you know. Mar, were you sequestered? I left the house th- three times, so I think I win. Showing oh, off. What a winner. <laughs> Show off. Um, behind the controls. I'm we- calling the police. <laughs> <laughs> and behind the controls, we have the great Rob Roman pulling knobs and twiddling with his thumbs, with his masterful strokes of genius. And kicking off the show, we have an unexpected return to the TT frontline, Mr. Buffalo Hornhat wearing JK from Jamiroquai. Jamiroquai frontman JK became a trending topic meme for 48 hours last week when Trump supporters stormed the Capitol and a man known as the QAnon (laughs) Shaman was pictured at the helm of Congress wearing the kind of demented look you wouldn't take notice of at Burning Man Festival, which resembled uh, JK's famous buffalo hat attire. It's quite funny how a funk pop icon can become a meme these days and in some way enjoy a... Uh, the positive side effects from a negative event. Unsurprisingly, Jamiroquai's music enjoyed a resurgence in streaming listens since he actually took to social media to reassure people that it wasn't him. Did you guys keep up with that whole spectacle? It was hard not to, wasn't it? I mean, like, you know, someone trying to overthrow government in in the US wasn't what I expected to kick off 2021, frankly, and certainly not led by someone who looked like JK from Jamiroquai. But, Ma, how about you? I didn't know what... Mm, I didn't understand this reference, so I had to oh, look him up. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you don't God's know sake. who Jamiroquai is? Listen it's, in the headphones, At, it's at least they didn't know what his face looks like. I'm going to say that. Maybe I have listened to his music, maybe not, but I didn't know what he looked like, that's for sure. And he does look like that man. Like, the resemblance is... Yeah. Like, you cannot not see it. it it's... I think he can still be him. Like, I, I want to keep up with the conspiracy that he had a double life. And he's a funky artist, but also like a conspiracy theory demented person. <laughs> well, in if his... any lawyers are listening, uh, <laughs> or not. JK has very much denied uh, being part of this uh, lunacy. Uh, well, the funny thing is, in his message on Twitter uh, explaining that it wasn't him, uh, he actually made a kind of a... It could be interpreted as a vegan kind of um, proclaim, proclamation saying, look, we're in this situation because we farm animals and we cage them for the food industry. He didn't say it exactly like that, but he, he alluded to it very succinctly. And funny enough, the Quenon 
How do you pronounce it? Quinon? Qunon. Qunon. The Qunon shaman has apparently refused to eat under detention because they won't serve him any organic food. Not to say that he's vegan, but you know, I kind of joined a few dots there. It's like, well, maybe they could have something to talk about at a table, JK and Mr. Whatever his name is. His twin. His long lost twin. Oh, God. Do you know, I was just blown away by there was one picture of him like roaring or something like that. His teeth are incredible. Like absolutely, just this perfectly straight line of teeth, perfectly white. I've been, I've been, I went to the dentist the other day, and I've been noticing a lot of teeth images recently. Yeah, we're at that age, isn't it, when we start paying attention to other people's teeth? Well, you know what they like? They classically say British people have have rubbish teeth. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Like you look at Americans, you're like, oh my god! No, like, but the Americans are crazy because once they're like my age, like twenty something, they get these fake teeth. Um, the ones that like grandmas wear but they get it when they're so young because they look so nice but how why would you torn apart your teeth to put fake ones even if it looks good and that's why all of the americans have super white teeth like nuclear white teeth it's because they're fake everyone has fake teeth in america it's so weird i would i well i would probably do it if it meant i could look (laughs) like the shape have teeth like that shaman but uh, do, do you worry about chewing certain dried fruits, Ben? What? I'm I'm scared Don't of. Give me worries. I'm scared of almonds. Like I broke I broke a tooth just chewing on an almond not so long ago, and now I'm like petrified. Like I'm always like biting them very carefully, nibbling like a hamster. I don't know. It's like I, I start becoming afraid of certain hard foods. I wasn't. Now I am. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible because you know the, the <laughs> dentists are expensive, <laughs> and it's. <laughs> It's one of those things you don't want to add to the list of unexpected little uh, costs you have to deal with each month. And all of a sudden now it's like I'm afraid of hard foods, you know, uh, hard bread. You know, those like nice sourdough sourdough breads, that stuff, you know, all of a sudden there's, they, 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 they can be famous for lasting longer than normal crappy um, breads. <laughs> but uh, sometimes the crust becomes a little bit too hard and you can leave your tooth there. So all of a sudden they become the enemy. Something so delightful. Can I just take it back to Jamiroquai for a second? Much as I'm enjoying this, this tooth talk. Um, do you think, like, what? how do you think his label felt about him being in, in the spot like that? He was, like, number one trending topic. Good thing. But, like, it was because some uh, very odd person had stormed the US Capitol in an attempt to bring down the government. Bad thing. Like, wait, like, do you reckon his marketing team was like, yeah, this is good, this is bad? I mean, what do you think? There is no such thing as bad propaganda. So if you get people to talk about you, even if it's for the wrong thing, and, and in this case, it's not even for the wrong thing because it was not even him, but there's no such thing. If people are talking about you, that's all you want. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm sure this has prompted JK to consider releasing new music in 2021. Because he seems to, you know, he, he's always been kind of laid back when it comes to having to release new music. He's already got quite a strong legacy. He can actually tour very large venues still on the back of his 90s popularity and, and all the hits that he's had. But uh, he kind of said it in the video. It's like, look, uh, it wasn't me storming the Capitol and there's no touring for now. We've got to stay put. But I think, you know, he might be a little bit bored and there is a possibility that he might go back into the studio on the back of this resurgence in popularity. Ma, would you be likely to listen to Jamiroquai now, knowing that after this, knowing that he was involved, well, not involved, but you, you know, yeah, he's, he's someone who... For sure, and and when I looked for his face, because I was like, I don't know what this man looks like, um, I saw like a bunch of, of music videos and he seems like such a cool guy and he has super cool hats, so I want to hear a lot of him more, like, put a new album, I will be your new fan. Wow. It, like, I remember in the 90s right in 
the south of Spain, we adored Jamiroquai, right? And, and we'd watch him on MTV and stuff, and it was super cool. But then reading up on him uh, a few years ago, there was a lot of negative press around him at the time because they, he was accused of appropriating black music, appropriating Native American headdresses, appropriating, appropriating. And I always thought he was the coolest guy. Whenever he'd give interviews, he was always very funny, very sarcastic. He obviously dated a lot of supermodels. He drove Ferraris. But and so back in the day, he was like a, the, the, the hero that everyone wanted to become. But now he he'd probably face <laughs> all kinds of backlash. Like he's probably scared to leave the house because it's like, oh, you know, uh, in, in, in this current climate where everyone gets criticized for it, something, he wouldn't have it. He'd have it a little bit tough, but if, but fortunately, he's a very charismatic guy. And I think that would maybe save him from certain flames. I don't know. Some people who are also going to be getting it pretty tough. Uh, yeah. Uh, John Mouse and Ariel Pink. Tell us, Johan. So, well, yes, unfortunately, the inter, the British intergalactic funk band weren't the only music stars who had some sort of involvement in the insurgents. Primavera Sound regulars, Ariel Pink and John Mouse, were spotted at the rally, uh, the Donald Trump rally before the siege on the, on the Capitol building and have become the target of some online backlash due to their support of ex-president Trump. Pink actually used Twitter on the day and wrote, I was in D.C. to peacefully show my support for the president. I attended the rally on the White House lawn and went back to hotel and took a nap. Case closed. Pink's label, Mexican Summer, have parted ways with him. They were set to release a string of albums on, July, uh, on January 29th as the final installments of its Aerial Archive series. And apparently... Anyone who followed him on his social media platforms recently ha would have been used to him sharing conspiracy theories, pandemic disinformation and support for Trump. <sighs> what can I say? He's always been a bit of an eccentric, but this might <laughs> this has obviously mm, hindered a lot of his popularity. Um, did you know who Ariel Pink was, uh, Mar? Were you familiar with it? I get dumber and dumber every episode. No, it's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't need it, to know. It, it, basically, he's he, he happened a while ago. People liked him for a bit, realized he wasn't that good. And now he's, he's like a DJ, I guess. No, he, he, he's the, he is the ultimate bedroom pop. No, uh, no. Not even bedroom pop. He, he's famous for making really lo-fi recordings of his music sounding like the kind of 70s AFM, uh, AM radio uh, sounds, you know, drawing on classic American music, but making it sound really... It was really enchanting. I, I, I would have liked it by what you say, but now I don't want to listen to him. Well, no, the thing is, he was, him and John Mouse as well, his music is very similar. They both make the kind of, um, yes, uh, lo-fi recording using crappy equipment, very similar to, I don't know, people like Daniel Johnston or um, R. Stevie Moore, who we're going to talk about briefly in, in a few seconds, uh, who's, who's kind of his his uh, mentor, shall we say. These are guys who, who made an art form out of, out of low fidelity, shall we say. And, it, and he was very, he was a really typical Primavera sound artist, right? And even there are certain journalists, when they, uh, Spanish journalists, when they were criticizing hipster culture and uh, Primavera sound indie, shall we say, in this brute form, uh, he was the patron saint of it. Like, ah, oh, all these hipsters who are into Ariel Pink, you know, he was like the, the, the typical symbol of, of all this. Like, I, I'm going to be really, I'm going to try and sound really unprofessional. I'm going to sound really tacky. And, uh, and, and this was a aesthetic kind of sound that represented everything that people who love Primavera love about this kind of music, right? It doesn't 
seem to add up that he is so passionate about Trump. Well, well, there was an interview a few he there was an interview a few years ago with the Wire magazine, in which uh, he said this about beta males. All right, and uh, beta males have got it figured out, so that they don't have to chase or rape their prey, so to speak. Which, yeah, that's pretty horrible, isn't it? Doesn't exactly. He's a cuñao, as we say. He's become a cuñao, the brother-in-law, as we say in Spanish. The, he's the, 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 the fascist uncle at the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I always think, it's like, look, his image has always been goofy. He always, he always dresses, and even when he, his touring band, he always looks very underground, like the kind of marginalized person who, hang, who, who you will find in those American basements, right? And I always thought, you know, that's his image. That's, he's actually true to this kind of thing of being on the margins of society, of, of always being in the bargain bin, shall we say, this kind of philosophy, this mentality. I remember he brought a, a, a kind of a co-singer with him on the last time he played at Primavera Sound, and it was the kind of person you, you imagine who exists in a dive bar on the outside of Las Vegas. You know, it's like, wow, this the, the Ariel Pink universe is so trashy. It's very John Waters mood, you know. Uh, you can imagine his best friends being drag queens and stuff, but all of a sudden he's coming with these edgelord, this edgelord attitude, but it's not it's not cool at all. It's <laughs> it's terrible. But he also comes from an art school background. He actually shared a dorm with John Mouse in CalArt and uh, and and you see that this is where I start to sort of think. Hang on, let's let's think a bit deeper because John Mouse, you know, he is a former philosophy teacher and has a PhD in political science. And you know, one thing I always stand back by is never back away from a well-read person because you run the risk of not learning something. Mouse has gone on record in the past as identifying with left-wing politics, and he cryptically shared a quote from a 1937 encyclical from Pope Pius the. Mm, 11th? 11th. <laughs> condemning <laughs> my Roman numerals. <laughs> I got stuck there. Uh, condemning condemning Nazism, right? So I, these two, I think they're prank. Uh, they're, they're capable of pranking like art school students like to prank. You know how it's an art school thing where they'll flirt with uh, far-right politics to make a statement? I don't know. I don't know if they're just playing a joke on us, but when you read Ariel Pink's Twitter timeline, it seems like he's he's written vote for trump so many times it's like are you joking are you provoking or is this for real but let, let me just let me just put it out there what if it's a prank what is funny about it yeah. there's literally nothing funny yeah. about it there's like i mean what's the punchline <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, people died I, I, it's it's exactly it's horrible uh, but in america because you know we're looking at it from a distance and i imagine it must be really uh, irritating for people in general to deal with the kind of Obviously. the Karens or the the not what are, what's the opposite of a Karen? A, a, a wine mom. <laughs> <laughs> a wine mom. <laughs> Very good. The opposite of a Karen is a wine mom, or is it? Uh, I, so I can. I think. I don't know. I think they're. He's being reactionary. Like I'm just praying. That he's like, look, guys, I took the joke too far. I don't know. But it's so easy to be reactionary. You know what I mean? It's so easy. It's just like, oh, this is how most people in my milieu think I'm going to do do the opposite. It's not clever, you know? It's just like taking the polar opposite. It's like the kind of thing, you know, you did when you were like 12. Yeah. You know, it'd be like, oh, well, everybody says they like, you know, this song. So I'm going to say I don't and I'm going to be really cool. And like, you, you sort of, 
grow out of it, don't you? Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, and, and you learn there's other ways you can go against the mass thing or 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 the the mainstream. Like hmm. if you want to be polemic or reactionary, there's other stuff you can do that are not like as dangerous as. I don't know, yeah. encouraging people to have these political views. That you, you can be like a revolutionary like David Byrne and be nice and release mm -hmm. a, a newspaper, an online newspaper of exactly. good news. That is super revolutionary nowadays, Ariel Pink. How about that? <laughs> but Although the, no, not everyone agrees that David Byrne is nice. Oh, really? <laughs> Did you not read? There was, a, there was a book recently released by the drummer from Talking Heads. Um, who whose name escapes me just for the moment, and he was talking about how much he hated David Byrne, basically. Wow, oh, okay. I would never judge David Byrne on, on close associates because I imagine a person who's got, who's got such an outstanding career must be a bit of a perfectionist or one of the kind of um, band leaders who become a bit dictatorial, dictatorial and, um, yeah, it's not good to... No, it's tricky to judge people on their closest associates and I say this because yesterday I was binging the worst kind of TV uh, Telecinco, they were talking about a very famous uh, Spanish presenter journalist called Isabel Gemio and no one had a good word to say about her They, she was like the ultimate diva bitch, whatever, blah blah blah, you know and the only person who stepped up front to speak nicely of her was a hairdresser and it's like, yeah, but you, you know, the hairdresser gets the nice part because you know, you're 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 kind of like their psychologist, you know, you're, you get to sit in the chair at 8 in the morning or 7 or 6 before you do your radio show, not in our case, we're not that far up the ladder <laughs> but, and I was just sort of thinking of like, yeah, you know, people who are usually at the front line of, of some kind of excellence are usually mm, people who are not very pleasant professionally or I don't know so I'm thinking David Byrne he might be lovely if you're like another rock star who hangs out with him uh, on a Sunday brunch but if you're like his drummer <laughs> you probably got the brunt I think what Chris France uh, that's the person would say is that it's not that he was uh, David Byrne's drummer it's that David Byrne was his singer because he formed he formed Talking Heads. It's pretty interesting. Look, look into he. I've got. I think they're both brilliant. I've got nothing against either of them. But I would advise anyone to go back and sort of look at that little thing. Because you you know you don't. You're right. You normally don't hear anything bad about David Burns. It was quite interesting. I'm sure they all have they all have a skeleton or two. But anyway, going returning to the whole Ariel Pink uh, John Mouse Gate <laughs> or the story. Mouse Gate. Mouse Trap. <laughs> the Mouse Trap. Oh, brilliant. Ching, ching. I wish we had a sound effect to celebrate this moment of spontaneity. Um, there's another rabbit hole, I was, rabbit hole I was faced with upon reading into a story, and it was about the third person who was with them. This filmmaker, Alex Lee Moyer, who directed a documentary, which I have not seen. I haven't been able to um, see on streaming services. And it's created a lot of criticism. And the title of it alone, it's not very commercial. It's not very sellable. It's TFW, no GF. Uh, Mark, would you care to translate this internet term actually when i first read it I, I didn't know what it meant and now i kind of understand because it it relates to a culture i i'm not part of <laughs> thankfully um and i don't even remember what it, it, it that moment when that, that feeling that when? feeling when no girlfriend like okay dude <laughs> i don't know it's proper it's a proper it's a proper term very popular on 4chan <laughs> that oh, feeling gosh. with no girlfriend right uh, so according this documentary titled that feeling with no girlfriend is about incel culture 
right? So according to Rolling Stone magazine, it's an uncomfortable portrayal of incel culture and has been criticized for giving these males these uh, the attention they seek with very little insight into how misplaced their sentiment can be, right? It kind of eschews their, their privileged status, right? So the reasons I'm interested in seeing this is because I think incel culture is a very serious social problem that just keeps getting bigger and bigger since especially since there are online forums where they can vent their hatred and their misogyny and their racism and you know just because there is a lot of this bad behavior behind incel culture i don't think it's wise to push it back because maybe we have to address their pro their problem as a society and hold them by the hand, pat them on their back from time to time, and hopefully that will prevent them from taking rifles into schools and shooting innocent children. Mm. <laughs> Had you heard of this documentary? I Not this one. I've read lots of papers and I've seen documentaries about insult culture and it's scary. It's super scary and it's, I agree, a super big pro problem that needs to be tackled because uh, it's getting out of hand if we don't talk about it seriously. But... I don't want to watch this documentary if it doesn't give like a proper like digging into it if just he just I don't know records these people being insane in their bedroom and mm. and that's it. I I there's one if if you don't know much about incel culture and you just want to like start or understand a little bit there's one in in Vice which is uh, maybe not the most respected media outlet but uh, it's very interesting and the uh, girl that did it I, I think she did a good job so it's very i'd say it's, it's hmm. very difficult topic well what's what's what i think is also interesting is like the you know the, the director has said in her defense that you know she's an artist and she's there to hold the mirror up right to things that are happening in the world like any artist does and and put it out there and that it's it's a it's a different method of making a documentary rather than trying to impose some kind of moral judgment on it but uh i don't know it's interesting it's interesting when there's these things now that, that that are there that they obviously create a lot of thought and they open up a conversation that can go even deeper but um moving on from them uh, as i said uh researching uh this whole story is uh, i didn't know about the figure of the musical genius that is r stevie moore and i don't want to look too deep into him because i <laughs> I just want to, I'm just staying with the fact that he's been releasing music since 1968 and he has self-released approximately 400 albums. A lot of them sound exactly like what Ariel Pink's music sounds like. So, ladies and gentlemen, if uh, some of you cannot fathom listening to Ariel Pink's music in, anymore because of his political views, may you rest assured that you can enjoy our Stevie Moore's Uh, infinite catalog because he is the the next best thing <laughs> or in fact he is actually there before the best thing <laughs> so he's actually the the seed and and as i say you need two lifetimes to to get around his music let's listen to a little bit of our stevie moore Well, looking on suffering through Ariel Pink's timeline on Twitter, he also retweeted a photo of himself with MF Doom, who sadly passed away over the holidays. The underground hip-hop legend, whose real name was Daniel Dumil, was one of the most enigmatic rappers who, according to LP from Run The Jewels, was the writer's writer, famous for his wordplay. Vulture's website said this of him in its obituary. 
Ben, would you like to read it? Because I feel like I'm, t- <laughs> I'm hogging the mic. Doom dealt in riddles fans would unpack for years. You could luxuriate in the surface level trappings for a lifetime, studying the interplay between 60s horror and comic book references, 70s and 80s soul music, and intricate New York City lore. Or you could listen past it and commiserate with the hard living and loving that Doom's beats and puns gave cover for. This made hit music a refuge for heads disillusioned by the pomp and polish commercial turn of the millennium rap, as well as a gateway for new listeners lacking the lived experience to see their reflection in the stuff on the charts. Doom bridged audiences, styles, and artists. And I've got to say, I absolutely loved MF Doom. And I'm going to give you just one MF Doom for Well, I, I almost can't say it. Do you remember that big, big volcano that blew up um, in Iceland? Iceland, yeah. <laughs> what was it called again? Oh, uh, Frida? <laughs> I just made that up. I don't know. Um, uh, well, that's the thing. It's, it's very hard. Uh, Mark, can you, can you pronounce it? No, I have no clue. Uh, okay, um, it's like <laughs> Murphy to get uh, okay. <clears throat> it, did it have an Icelandic name? Yes, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try say it. All right. Eyjafjallajökull. <laughs> remember, it was 2010. It blew up. This, this, this. Uh, yeah, I remember because it cancelled. It almost cancelled Coachella. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I have to own up to the fact that I know I remember this volcano because so many artists couldn't fly planes across the Atlantic. Well, that's, that's all right. Most people, most people did. Um, remember it because of the disruption it had to them you know volcanoes are not are not that you know uh, don't tend to impinge on our lives well, luckily they don't impinge on our lives but um tell that to the people of pompeii <laughs> <laughs> sorry the next time the next time i see them uh, i will but anyway mf doom managed to incorporate the name of that into uh, into a rap song on oh. on on his song uh, governor by jj Doom. Can, have you got the lyric there? Can you try and recite it? <laughs> I can try. Don't rap it. <laughs> Save yourself the embarrassment. What do you mean the embarrassment? <laughs> I, even, it's it's the, hard the to honor. rap an F- MF Doom song. I was I was the voted second best rapper in all of East Fife in uh, 1988. Thank you very much. Um, catch a throatful from the fire vocals with ash and molten glass like Ayafagokal. Wow. I mean, come on. I love it. It's really good. Obviously, he does it a thousand million million times better than that. But come on, oh. I mean, I have a I have a confession to make. I I had never listened to MF Doom before his death, uh, and you know why? Because I didn't know where to begin. He released so much music under different aliases, and and he even he'd even sent doppelgangers wearing the Doom mask in his place to perform at events, claiming that it was all part of the artistic uh, project. You know that MF Doom wasn't just one person. It was it, it you know like a, like a comic book superhero. It, it, almost like when when Batman speaks about creating a symbol to inspire people. You know, not to actually go out there and wear a cape, but you know. To, to have this ju- be- good behavior in the name of justice. I don't know. Uh, and he collaborated with so many producers like Danger Mouse, Mad Lim, Sarface, Ghostface. I, I'm afraid I, I was very basic. You know, I liked it when an, a band or an artist would release an album, 12 songs or a double album, and I could follow it and incorporate it into my daily routine. But with this guy, it was like, and this was before streaming service Spotify where you could just go and click. It's like, where do I start? Does that ever happen to you, Mar, where there, an artist kind of scares, not scares you, but it's like, oh, f- that, that, that feeling of going yeah. to the buffet and there's having so many options. FOBO, fear of, well, it's not, it's not FOBO in this case, but the fear of better options. Yeah, but uh, I get it. And it's either a really intelligent move, like you get a 
a fan base that really, really understands you and really follows you because it's something so attractive. Once you get into it, you feel like special to understand his movement and stuff. But yeah, I, um, I have the same feeling like I didn't get into him. I, I knew he was like a big inspiration and a lot of artists I like looked up to him, but I, I didn't... I couldn't be bothered. Can I point you towards an album if you want to start? I really, really like uh, Take Me To Your Leader by King Ghidorah. That was his first, that's another name that, that, that he had. King, King Ghidorah. <laughs> how, many, how many pseudonyms did he have? MF oh, Doom? Oh, God. MF Doom. I think uh, Doom on its own. Uh, let's see. Hang on. Let me find. Uh, Zen Love, Zev Love X, King Ghidorah, Victor Vaughan, Metal Fingers, Doom and Metal Face. Look, I, I, I'm such a Karen in this. I thought Mad Lib was Doom as well. I didn't know Madlib was a different rapper. You're not a Karen. You're a wine mum. I'm a wine mum. I'm a wine. Okay, so I, my my winest mum moment was has always been with this, and this is why I've always been a little bit afraid of, of of well, not now. Now I'm like loving it. I'm and there's so much music, you know, the that that he, that he released. Obviously, I think a good starting point uh, for you, dear listener, if you suffer from attention deficit disorder like myself and uh, acute anxiety when presented with a menu of too many options, I strongly recommend. Mad Villainy, the album he made with Mad Lib, and his solo album Born Like This are also good points of uh, starting as well as the one that Ben mentioned. I actually saw, I saw him play live in Barcelona. Uh, he was supporting Portishead. Um, wow. Yeah, it was quite something. Up at the uh, Pobla Español. Uh, 2012, maybe? 11, 12, something like that. And it was absolutely fabulous, but he, it was really weird. Like Basically, he sort of, it was just him like no one else on, on the stage and he sort of had a laptop off the stage so he would like wander over to a laptop press play then come like wander, wander like JPEG like, Mafia remember he was doing that when he came to Primavera Club yeah but like this was like in about way before 7pm no 8pm maybe but it was light it was summer so uh-huh. it was light so you could like, you know the lights on the stage weren't doing very much he was just basically this bloke like <laughs> wandering around I'm pretty sure it was him I mean I, I don't know if it's him, but I'm pretty sure it was and it, you know it, it kind of made me think like you know, like when you enjoy something, but at the same time you question why you're doing it. And you're like, "Am I? I'm enjoying this, but why?" And your brain's like, "Well, because you're listening to someone do it live." And like, well, "Yeah, but that bit's not live." And <clears throat> so I did enjoy it, but it was a bit strange. That's some something that I've always been a bit mm, curmudgeon about uh, with the, the, the about hip hop artists when. You know, at least when a DJ comes, you know there is something. But I always felt like uh, I'd, I'd get—I don't know—I, I liked—I uh, like a little bit of spectacle when I go to a show. And then when you see various musicians, even if it's a duo, if it's a drummer and a bass guitarist or a guitarist, you know, there's something happening. I had a dream with Meg White last night for some reason. No, sorry, no, but, not one of those kind of dreams. It was actually a, a nice dream. It was <laughs> oh no, 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 not, not, not dirty, not dirty. But we kind of, she kind of winked the eye, and and it's like we could have taken it forward. But then I woke up, Meg White, who knew. Uh, <laughs> um, but she spoke in the dream. She spoke. It's like, wow, I never heard her speak this much. Sorry, what a, what a, what an off topic. Um, so the whole thing of um, just a guy with a la- launching thing from a laptop. I thought, come on, man, make an effort, bring something, bring some visuals and stuff. But now. I do respect it because it is a back to basics kind of thing where it's like, look, what's important is me and the mic. Well, there's a weird purity to it. It's like, well, I can very much hear what you're rapping, you know, uh, and that is what he does best. That's what his art is best. It's like, well, okay, well, this is this is me rapping, you know, and and either you enjoy it or you don't, which I kind of quite liked. I've got to say, most of the crowd just kind of ignored it, but I really enjoyed it. There we go. Yeah. When I wasn't questioning 
life. Um, and uh, speaking of Madlib, he has, uh, as we sort of briefly were, he's teamed up with Fortet to release uh, an album. Well, it's all weird. Apparently, like Fortet's like the producer. Yeah. So he, it was sort of music he sent to, to Fortet, and Fortet then put together an album. Um, and shall we have a listen to a little bit of that? Yes, please. This is Madlib with Road of the Lonely Ones. Looking forward to that. That's going to be released sometime this month, this month of January. So it's a great way to start the year. New music from Madlib with Fortet. Do you know what? Like that's one of the things that sounds a lot better when you listen to them than the fancy headphones we have here. Yes. It really is. Mm. That's one of the things I like being in here. Obviously, being with you, but like at the same time, and that's you, plural. Um, <laughs> you get this is so nice headphones. You get to listen to music so well. Yeah, definitely headphone music. And another person who's going to have a very good start of the year is someone that Mara is going to tell us about. Uh, who is Olivia Rodrigo? Hang on, but before you start, can I just say, Mara, your last theory about Taylor Swift's third album had me thinking literally the entire three weeks we were away. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still like, is it April yet? Am I right? Am I wrong? Let's see. Bookmark it. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, well... Okay, so 2021 has been around for, what, just a couple of weeks, and everything seems to be as stressful, as depressing as 2020, if not more. Like, COVID's still here. We got, a, well, in the States, they got an attack to the capital. Like, how? It's only been a couple of days. There was a tornado in Spain. Like, not exactly a tornado, but I want to be dramatic. Um, the American royalty, Kim and Kanye, are getting a divorce. Oh, and- no. Yes. Are they? Really? Yes. Yes. You didn't hear of that? I thought, no, but it's, like, it's kind of a story that I've heard so, about a thousand times. Like, they're always no, getting a divorce and they never do. And Love the- is dead, Ben. Uh- and, and the whole Kardashian clan have stopped following Rosalia on social media because Rosalia introduced Kanye to this, um, how, to <gasps> what? this Jeffrey, what's no. his name? Is it because of that? Apparently. Well, that's oh all. Uh, this is proper gossip. I haven't researched it. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah just exactly hearsay. because of that. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's more things, bad things happening. It's not going to stop. We're all gonna die. <laughs> but in this context, we can we have like two options. We can um, think deeply about these issues, understand them, make efforts not to fall in this hole of depression and try to solve it and deal with it. Or, or we could completely ignore everything that seems to be going wrong and and turning our lives apart and making us all depressed and we could direct all of our attention to a teenage heartbreak drama that's happening and obsess over it on social media. It sounds like a super good plan to me. I don't know. Totally. Bring it. I already feel better. Yeah. All that matters. ah, Teenage love. (laughs) Teenage love and heartbreak and, and that's the sadness we can handle now. That's it. No more. I only want to know about these teen stars being heartbroken. And I'm not the only one because everyone seems to be uh, obsessing it o- over this, the hit of the year, that's driver's license. And it's only been out for two weeks. Oh, no, it's, uh, three days, four days. Uh-huh. And it's the hit of the year. You're certain it's of that. It's the hit of the year because it's, it's solving all of our problems. 
So, Driver's License is the song written by Olivia Rodrigo, like you said, and it has this... She's a Disney girl, right? She is a Disney um, show star. She stars in High School Musical, the musical, the series. It's Uh actually called that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And she's just a 17-year-old teen superstar. And she wrote this song that has the most heart-wrenching lyrics I have ever heard. It makes me want to cry all day and be sad, but a kind of sadness that, that I like and that I can help uh, handle. And, and it's, it's not like the, the, the saddest story you can hear and, and you will not be able to get out of bed because it talks about, I don't know, her whole family dying or something. No, it's, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's a heartbreak. It's... It's a very cute, not cute, but I don't know. I, 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 you can relate to it. So, okay. So, what, what, let me explain. Does it actually have anything to do with driving a car or driving? Yes. What's the metaphor? I want to explain the whole story <laughs> because I spent 30 minutes watching a video <laughs> about these two teen co-stars that um, star in this Disney show that I didn't know about 48 hours ago. And now I, I can tell you everything. You so, and apparently like 3 billion people or something, right? All the world. Uh, we all care about Olivia and Josh. Joshua? We don't care about him. We only <laughs> care about Olivia. So, yes, she is a Disney, Disney Channel star and she was in love with her co-star that they're also in love in the show. Um, that's beautiful. That's so cute. They fell in love on set. They were meant for each other. But she's underage. She's only 17. She's turning 18 in February. So it's not allowed on the States. I think he's 20. So they had to wait. They didn't want him to go to jail because she's underage. Yeah, that's uh, statutory. He could have been convicted of statutory rape. Exactly. Hang on, but isn't it... What does he... Isn't an under 21-year-old also... uh, Because I always get confused with the 18 and the 21 in the United States. No, I think it's... 18, but I don't know if the two-year difference would make him go to jail. But anyway, they decided to wait just in case she had to be 18, Uh whatever. But he didn't wait. He did not wait for Olivia. And now he's dating another (gasps) Disney girl who is blonde and 21. So she's older. And Olivia talks about her in the song and, and she says, you're probably with that blonde girl who always made me doubt. She's so much older than me and she's everything I'm insecure about. So how do you feel about that? Oh my God, my heart is breaking right now into a million pieces. Do you want to be more sad? Uh, yes. He yeah. taught her how to drive. That's why it's called oh. driver's license. So every time she no. drives a car, she's going to remember. She's gonna oh, remember. that's terrible. Yeah. And now she thinks about finally getting her driver's license like they used to talk about. But now she's driving alone. Not with him like she imagined. Oh, my We're, God. It's so sad. And when they were together, they used to write songs to each other and stuff. And they were so in love and, and they were meant to be. And... And there's a part she says, how could you be so okay now that I'm gone? Guess you didn't mean what you wrote in that song about me. Because you said forever, now I'm driving alone past your street. How could he? I'm going to cry. Why, Joshua or Josh or whatever your name is. Damn. I mean... Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm, I'm, Tito, give me some tissues. <laughs> um, he didn't mean it. He didn't mean what he wrote about her in the songs, and she was so in love. And the saddest part is she's still in love, but she he's with another girl. All right, can I just, just, just uh, like say 
something, all right? Just a possibility. Just a possibility. Could this all be set up? And he's going to no. write a song then to get back together? No, oh, no, okay. I, I, no, I wish. But I don't want Olivia to get back with that boy. She deserves so much better. She's having so much success. And I'm happy for her. And yes, I am a 23-year-old woman deeply invested in the love life of two Disney teen stars <laughs> that I didn't know existed 48 hours ago. Yes, I am. Should I be somewhat concerned about my mental state? Maybe in a normal situation, but everybody's going through the same thing, including Taylor Swift, who has shown support for oh. Olivia's song via Instagram. And Olivia is such a Swifty, so she is so happy and she doesn't care she's heartbroken anymore because she has the approval of Taylor Swift. So... Um, I'm, I'm happy for her and she, well, when I mean everybody is obsessed with it, I, I have numbers to prove it, like Driver's License, which is the song, has scored the biggest single day streams for a song by a female artist in US Spotify history with over five, more than five million, no. Billion, wasn't it? Five billion streams. In one day. Jeez. No, you couldn't it's have five billion. You could not have five billion no, in a day. No, no, surely, not five billion. Fi I, I don't. More than five thousand million. Five thousand million. It's not a billion. Uh, it is, yeah, yeah. Okay, All right, a, lot, okay, a lot okay. of streams. You're like me. Your maths is. <laughs> it's is the failing. second biggest day overall um, in Spotify history. So she's not the the biggest streaming one day, but almost. And it also scores the biggest single day streams on yeah. 2021 on global Spotify chart with 11.551 million streams. And it's the biggest day for a song that's non, not a non-Christmas song to in the platform's history. So she's breaking records. She's going to be the first um, number one in for 2021 in the Billboard charts and everything. Yeah. So She's doing all that. She she's getting her coin. She's she's thriving, and I think we uh, it doesn't make much sense that we're all obsessed about this song. Like it's <laughs> it, it it does, and I have two explanation points that to make it all sound like it's not a super overhyped song, like it seems. Like we have to understand the context we're in. We're all overwhelmed, depressed, um, and uh, and we, we need to an easy escape. We need something that we feel it's manageable. We yeah. need to invest ourselves in a teenage drama and and something that's not related to us. These other people that we don't know, we, we can manage their, them being sad and them being heartbroken. And yeah, maybe the song is a little overhyped. It, um, sh it, should it be breaking all these records? I, I think it should, but uh, whatever. If people want to say it's not deserved, maybe, I don't know. But can we have this moment? Can can we listen to driver's license altogether and cry, <laughs> please? This reminds me of something like in Madrid. Madrid has been snowed out for three days, right? And uh, the day it was super snowed out, ev everyone on social media who lives in Madrid was posting photos of people in the snow. And someone shared a meme of... Uh, of like someone saying oh basic you're all so basic sharing for and it's like shh let them enjoy it exactly. let them enjoy let let Instagram be filled with images of people playing in snow they deserve it in Madrid yeah, anywhere it. where they get this kind of miracle of nature which yes it can be very harsh for some people who live uh, on the street and stuff uh, but let, let let just let some people enjoy it or whatever and um, I have to say that this song I can understand mathematically why it is uh, a, a hit because it sounds like a perfect mix of an Adele song with a Billie Eilish song 
It, it, it is it, like you said. It's these two artists are so good, and the second reason I think this is such a good song and well, such a big song, it's because it's actually good. It 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 makes you think of really big artists, even though she's just now a Disney 17-year-old star. Hmm. She 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 produced this song. She's super good at writing lyrics. It and you can. Tell she's so good because you feel what what she's going through. I'm, I'm I'm like I'm 23. I'm not 16 anymore, but I I can feel I've been heartbroken and I've been let down and everything. Like the you know it's talent when when she, the artist manages to mm -hmm. make you feel what he intended you to feel. So I think we will be hearing a lot of Olivia Rodrigo coming soon or at least in the years to come. Plus, you don't you don't become a Disney star if you're half-assing it. You know, usually they're 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 kind of the the Navy Seals of entertainers. You know, by the age of eleven, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to get into the Disney factory. So yeah, lots of artists, big artists, has have come out of Disney, like Britney Spears, Miley, um, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling, James, Justin Timberlake, exactly, Christina Aguilera. All of them. They are all Disney came from the Mickey Mouse Club. Olivia Rodrigo. The only one Taylor Swift isn't a Disney girl. Funny enough, and she no, she seems she like she'd be. Been. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Careful. I tell you, the only rival <laughs> this has for star power as 2021 gets going is sea shanties. Whoa! What is a sea shanty, Ben? <laughs> A sea shanty is a traditional sea song, often sung by people going out to sea and, you know, uh, sung together and a kind of chorus to help you work together. You know, like when you're pulling in the ropes and pulling in the sail and lancing a big thing at a whale, a harpoon at a whale. That's what you sing, a sea shanty. It's similar to a bit of a hooligan football chant as well, isn't it? No, like uh, we are, I don't know, I don't know any off by heart, but no, isn't <laughs> it? It's kind of a camaraderie kind of chant. You know, right? drunken sailor, right? That's the best. That's the easiest one, right? Okay. What should we do with a drunken sailor? You must know that. I'd never. I don't hang around pubs that much, Ben. As, as it's not, but it's not. Imagine. But it was. It was. It was a, a childhood thing. Anyway, like it's very, very famous. It's just. Yeah, in England, <laughs> in Britain, sorry, in Scotland. Um, okay, well, anyway, they're, 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 they've been around for years, like five hundred years. You know, people go out sailing, and they'd have these songs, quite simple songs, to kind of encourage them along. And as I said, the idea is that one person starts off singing, everyone joins in for, for the chorus. You know, and it keeps you keeps you happy, keeps you diverted, keeps you all as a team when you're all working together, right? And in one of the most pleasing micro trends I have seen in the last sort of few years, they have gone massive on TikTok. Sea shanties. You 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 you're on uh, Ma, you're on TikTok a lot. I, Have you I seen sea shanties there? Can TikTok stop being the best app ever? Like <laughs> it's making sea shanties um, be the trending topic. Like how how twenty one twenty twenty one is is already getting better. Where we made um, well the song but and driver's license also took off on TikTok. So TikTok is making good things for the year. So maybe we have a little bit of hope. Maybe we will all end up being sailors this year. And who knows? <laughs> Drunken sailors, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what as well? It comes from Scotland. The phenomenon started in Scotland. Apparently it started with a, uh, a Glaswegian postman called Nathan Evans who, who uh, put a video of himself uh, singing various sea shanties, but particularly Wellerman um, onto TikTok and has got past one million views. And the great thing, TikTok being TikTok, he put his version on. Then people did other versions. So there's like a version with like harmonies, there's a version with uh, strings, and there's a, a sort of big dance version as well. And I think if we got it ready, we're going to listen to the version with strings. This is the Wellerman viral TikTok sea shanty Mia Asana. Rob. 
was a ship that put to sea The name of the ship was a bully of tea The winds blew up her bird up turn up below my bully boys blows <laughs> Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum One day when the tonguing is done we'll take our leave and go Sounds like the cores. <laughs> and do you want do you want do you want me to unleash a whole new layer of of brilliant stroke? I'm not sure if it's brilliant, but maybe it is. So, if you look on uh, Spotify now for sea shanties, not only will you find sea shanty playlists, you will find sea shanties you can have sex to. I am not joking. There, one of the most popular playlists is sea shanties that drop my panties. <laughs> Oh my which God. has 52,461 followers uh, at time. And there's another one that is called, uh, slightly more literally, Sea Shanties that you could theoretically uh, F to. Amazing. <laughs> I, some people get their boats rocked by very, <laughs> very strange things. <laughs> so look, this is my, my favourite favorite trend and people are saying well, it's all because you know because we can't be together we can't be together we're all feeling it but we can be together if you go on tiktok and you sing a sea shanty together like you and your friends can get together and sing this brilliant song about killing whales so there we go <laughs> i want i really want to talk about that so so there we go um and in fact i gotta say i've gotta say i've been enjoying sea shanties and uh olivia rodrigo a hell of a lot more than our album of the week i'm afraid our album of the week uh is by someone i like a great deal uh it Pays tribute to raves, which is something I like uh, a, a great deal. Um, but it's really not that good. I've got to say, Grimes. All right, okay, it's this time of year. Not a lot of new stuff is coming out, but we got something. It's Grimes, um, Miss Anthropocene, the rave edition. I thought rave edition, great. I like Grimes. It's great, but God, this album's a bit disappointing. It's a bit like a. Uh, it's, it sounds like re, uh, remix fillers, right? Remember when when major labels would commission remixes to get into the club, and sometimes mm, there wasn't much heart in it, even from the d- remixer DJ or anything. But uh, on this case, I have to say that when I was listening to it, I, I I was struck by images of this illegal rave that happened over the Christmas holidays <laughs> in in Ginars, the Moli, uh, what? Ginars. Uh, Ginars de Rey. De Valles, isn't it? Or something del like that? Valle, Linares del Valles. Valles. Del Valles. Okay, uh, 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 a town outside of uh, here in Catalonia, and uh, the images, obviously, that was coming in, that were coming through my WhatsApp and stuff, is like it looked like a proper abandoned warehouse. It looked a lot like the the a, a lot of the scenes that Christopher Nolan shoots, like in in The Dark Knight or or even in Tenet. You know, the, he always looks for these locations that look really rough for car chases and stuff. So it looks very apocalyptic, and the images of the anti-disturbing police uh, coming in to to shut down the rave, the ravers protesting for their right to continue to party in the face of this apocalypse where life seems to be ending and it's like look um let's just dance our life away right so this album i cannot separate it from these images right because it's the kind of industry industri- uh, abandoned uh, abandoned warehouse rave kind of sounds um and we don't mean well i i know what you're saying and i don't mean that in a good way if it was me saying it but I don't think you mean it in a good way either. Like, I don't I th- mean it in a bad way. Oh, I do. I do. I think Grimes has always loved the, uh, that mood, that mood of the the abandoned rave or mm-hmm. or the yeah. the rave on the edge of town. Grimes would have been totally there. Oh yes, <laughs> she would have been there. She would have been there. Maybe with a with a Tesla picking her up uh, to afterwards rather than having to walk home. But 
that kind of mood that she's always been going for or she's standing by, I I enjoy in her. But, but right, Grimes, whether you like her or not, is always interesting. Yeah. Right? That's something I really respect her for. Like you never quite know what she what she's going to do and misanthropy I thought was a great example of that because it was just weird and strange and had lots of very strange. Yeah. But like this this rave edition much like that rave uh, up in northern Barcelona. All right, I didn't go there with a bit of music I've heard from it. Like, it's the music's really dull. It's like the absolute worst thing that you could do. She's got like, I'm sorry, but she's got like quite standard people, like people who aren't yeah. bad. But like, it's all it's all like you got Anna, you got Richie Horton, you got Taylor Us, you got uh, Julian Brack. People who are quite of a, uh, they're quite similar, yes. right? So. Yeah. Why not get people that reflect what she's doing? Why not get like a whole gambit of people that reflect her her fascinating kind of different things? Why they just have people that put like a massive bass drum under it? It doesn't quite work. Like if you compare it to the other remix album that was talked a lot about for a while in 2020, which was Dua Lipa with mm-hmm. the Black Madonna, that was interesting because she she went through different generations of collaborators, people who've represented very important moments in club culture. Whereas here, okay, Channel Trez is very relevant r- recently. You know, he's he's having a an incredible moment in his career. And I think he's he's about to go into some kind of I wouldn't say an imperial phase, but you know, keep your eyes on Channel Trez for his his brand of club sound. But uh, for instance, Richie Horton, I thought it was nice because he's her friend. You know, they're they're from the same country, and it reminded me a little bit of that talking point of when Grimes did her first boiler room at Richie Horton's villa in Ibiza. I, uh, which was uh, a, a, a very massive talking point in Clubland because, you know, she was spinning Mariah Carey songs uh, in a in a in an after party in Ibiza where people take electronic music or DJ DJ club music very seriously, almost too seriously. And there's Grimes kind of kicking the door down, saying, "Look, you boring chin stroking DJs, I'm gonna DJ now. This is my but boiler room." That's what I likes about it. That's what I likes about it. Why doesn't she do that on this album? Why doesn't she get the Benga Boys in? Yeah. She, uh, famously played, I think, in that DJ yeah. set. Why didn't she get them in to remix it? You know, why has she suddenly gone gone all serious? And you've got a very interesting theory about why people don't like Grimes anymore. So the th- like, I kind of felt that Misanthropocene didn't get the veneration or the attention it deserved all throughout 2020. It, it barely made any of the top of the lists, uh, the best of year lists. When if this album would have been released maybe five years ago it would have been in the top three or the top top five because it was adventurous it was inventive it did it 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 was divisive as well you know it's the kind of thing where it's like wow this is an album that deserves to be talked about and stuff and it it can't it it got largely ignored and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she is mm, dating elon musk a hundred percent like it's like a lot of music critics feel that maybe she doesn't need any more attention or success in her career because she's going to be well off whatever which is unfair on her because she is still uh, I find her to be a very relevant artist and very coherent with her artistic uh, mission shall we say so that you know I don't care about okay it's hard to separate you know I've got a little bit of a gossip hairdresser in me who wants to (laughs) uh, who who doesn't ignore any headline that involves Elon Musk and Grimes right but I mean it doesn't it, it should not affect her musical output so I think um, people are sort of moving on from her uh, in a in a in a very in a way that that she doesn't deserve. I I think it's more. I think there may be a little bit of that, but I think it was also right that Misanthropocene was released in February, hmm. um, and I don't know. But February feels like 
so, 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 so long ago. It feels like very much a different world. Like, because Dua Lipa came out in March when we were like, and, and it kind of had sense within our pandemic sense. But like, Myth Anthropocene was like, that was like pre pandemic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think everyone's listening changed. I think if it had come out in like April, people would have somehow made into that like that that narrative of their life, if you see what I mean. Whereas it was in February, so it didn't. And then like everything yeah. changed. It was like, well, I'm not going to listen to that thing because it doesn't make sense. Maybe yeah. in the future people will. But, it, you know, her album, Misanthropocene, is so apocalyptic and it talks about the the whole, you know, the, the the planet, you know, it talks about ecology and stuff. You know, it is a very 2020 album. But I think it's, like you said, like Grimes um, had like a super steady, like, not speech, but like, you know, her ideology and, and without her maybe even saying it. And now she's with Elon Musk. It, it seems like she was a character. And, and she's actually like this super capitalist woman who only cares about when she was like this anarchist girl who did whatever. And, and now it's like, hmm, who are you really? Are you really what you say in your songs? Like being environmental and stuff? Or are you the, the, the wife of Elon Musk? And, and I, it, I feel bad because she can, maybe it's deeper than that. But... Um. I, The, the, what was the child's name? They, they they even had that that weird name that was yeah. unpronounced. I think it, it, if you translated the numerals, it was Ky it spelled out Kyle or Kyle. Something. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, name it Karen. Kyle? I don't know. She's the father of of, of Tesla baby. But um, uh, yeah, the, the, MIA faced the same kind of backlash when she married uh, very um, this. I, I can't remember the name of her ex-husband, but he was the son of a very important businessman and stuff. And uh, she got a lot of criticism for it because it's like, oh, you're supposedly singing about defending refugees and stuff, but all of a sudden you married into power. And it's like, um, why does that detract? You know, okay, it might be... If you're going to be a cynic and think, oh, it's a chess move for her to have more power to maybe help, you know, have more clout to be able to help um, her people or people who are impoverished. I don't know. But in the Grimes thing, uh, I don't know. She, every time there's a Twitter story or something, it's like she's also going through stuff that Lana Del Rey goes through, you know, where they, they seem to lose their voice because they're privileged and they're 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 white or something like that you know that i think it's a little bit unfair i i don't think white privileged people are too worried about about losing their voices to be honest um we gotta go oh okay um uh, th yeah thumbs thumbs in the middle for misanthropism uh, rave thumbs edition right down for miss misanthropism rave edition uh unless i do have to turn up an illegal rave in a uh, grim looking industrial state in the north of barcelona in which case thumbs right right up and please get me the hell out of there But there's plenty of stuff to look forward to in this first month of 2021. Let's keep our hopes up. Some uh, some artists are even announcing tours. Black Country New Road have postponed their tour to September, which is still good news. It's going to happen, presenting their debut album. Um, uh, Clap Your Hands a Year have announced a European tour. Fortet and Mad Lib are dropping a new album. So much to look forward to. So many albums of the week to look forward to. Uh, this has been a wonderful first episode of The Weekly Review in 2021. May we all have a fabulous and hopeful new year.